Spumoni for Christmas, Searching for Zaples, and the best filling for your Canolo. This week, we're in St. Louis. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is where we explore the best dishes and drinks in the world at DestinationEatDrink.com and here on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. This week, we're on the hill in St. Louis for some amazing Italian food. But first, take a minute and rate and review the podcast. It only takes a second, and I'd be very grateful if you gave us five stars on your podcast app. And thank you very much. Pete Manzo is a native of St. Louis who grew up in the food business, working for his parents' company supplying ingredients to local restaurants. These days, Pete is the head honcho at Eat St. Louis Food Tours, a food tour company taking hungry guests around the Gateway City, especially to the famous Italian neighborhood called The Hill. Pete also runs Trips to Savor, a tour company that takes folks to Tuscany and Puglia to experience the culture and food of some of Italy's most vibrant regions. Pete talks with me about the Italians who came to St. Louis over 100 years ago and the community they built in what is now called The Hill. We also talk about the terrific Italian markets in the area, the best bakeries, and how to order your cannolo. Plus, It wouldn't be a talk about Italian food without some gelato, so we sampled the sweet stuff as well. And then we compare notes on the hill in St. Louis and Providence's Italian neighborhood, Federal Hill. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Pete Manzo from Eat St. Louis Food Tours. Thanks for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's great to talk to you today about St. Louis. Thanks for having me, Brent. You know, I wanted to talk to you about the Italian community in St. Louis, first of all, because I think when folks think about the Italian diaspora coming to the United States, they think of places like Boston and New York and Philly and maybe New Jersey and San Francisco. St. Louis isn't a place that immediately springs to people's mind. Tell me about the folks that came from Italy and made St. Louis their home. Well, I I think one of the things I want to address is exactly what you just said, which um, is exactly what I thought, you know. And then when I started digging in a little bit more and doing some research, the, the people that actually marketed the hill were claiming that it was America's largest uh, Italian neighborhood. And I was like, what? How is that possible? Um, But I think the key was neighborhood because they were saying it was um, those that live, work, and worship in the same footprint, in the same community. So if you consider that, I absolutely would believe it. The hill itself, I, I mean, I like to paint a picture of the area. It's about one square mile, about 52 square blocks. It's on the south side of St. Louis. Um, There's about 2,500 residents. And as you walk around, uh, all the buildings are brick uh, because that's, I'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, as many of the buildings in St. Louis are brick. Um, That was one of our 
One of the things that St. Louis is known for, um, the area has these iconic fire hydrants. They're painted with the uh, red, white, and green flag colors, Italian flag colors. Um, and that is sort of how people know that they're in the area. And that's what they look for. It's even become part of the stylization or logo for the area. Uh, I think what a lot of people don't realize is it's the third most visited attraction in St. Louis. It's only second to the Arch and the St. Louis Zoo. Wow. So yeah, I know it's kind of amazing. I mean, I always talk to my friends. I talk to people from all over and they're like, yeah, you know, I've never been uh, to St. Louis or some say I've been to St. Louis, but only on my way to blank. It's never really a destination, which is, it kind of saddens me because I was born here. I was born here and I grew up here and I love St. Louis um, and I love the hill. So it really needs to be on people's radar. I love this idea of having this neighborhood right in the middle of St. Louis because I lived in uh, Rhode Island for many, many years. And there's a neighborhood there called Federal Hill, which is the old Italian-American community. And you talked about the fire hydrants painted green, white, and red. There, they have the center stripe of the street, you know, that would normally be yellow or whatever. That's also painted green, white, and red going down the center of the street. But the thing about Federal Hill is, even though it retains today a lot of the Italian businesses, there's unbelievably great restaurants and grocers and things like that, a lot of the Italians themselves have moved out of that neighborhood into places like um, North Providence and Johnston, Rhode Island, and places like this, Cranston. Um, so they don't actually live there anymore. They come and they work there. I'm wondering, does uh, the Hill still have uh, Italian folks, people with Italian heritage, living in that neighborhood? It does. I believe that it's gone through probably the same changes that you're talking about, but uh, because a lot of the older people are that spoke Italian that either came over or maybe their first generation, you don't hear Italian spoken that much anymore. But I would say about 70, maybe 60 to 70 percent are of Italian heritage in that area. That's sort of what draws the Italians to that area. It's sort of going through a renaissance now. I mean, if you think about it, the, the area itself, there, like I said, it has brick buildings, and technically it would qualify as a historic district, but they never gave it that official designation. So that sort of opened the door for, uh, for people to kind of to do whatever they need to do to keep the properties in good condition and sort of... And in some cases, they've even demolished old buildings that were beyond repair and rebuilt them. So actually, you know, like as I'm taking people through on our walking tour, you'll have all of these old buildings and then all of a sudden you'll have a brand new build. And yes, it does stick out uh, like a sore thumb, but it's good. I mean, it's it's all good to see the area being kept and everybody sort of looking out for their property and nothing going into disrepair. But there are younger residents moving into the neighborhood. Um, 
you know, like I said, you've got up, you've got some of the remodeled homes, uh, the brick homes that have been bought and remodeled on the inside. And then you've got some new residences and even luxury apartments. I just saw the uh, other day I was looking into a luxury condo complex that just was built, I think, across from one of our well-known bakeries, Missouri Bakery. And I think that the starting price was 500000 which is... Whoa, that's high for St. Louis. <laughs> oh my God, for St. Louis, it's, it is. It is very high. And apparently they're getting it because the, the area has that sort of reputation as a very safe, uh, family-friendly neighborhood. Um, you know, we're getting, with this new blood that we're getting, these young families, uh, we're getting new activities that are added to the events uh, that the Hill is known for. So the Hill has always had events that have drawn people to the area. So traditionally, you have, you know, St. Ambrose Church is the center of the community. Um, and traditionally, we've had like La Festa, which is a church-run festival. It's like a parish picnic. Um, there's a Corpus Christi procession. There's the Italian Heritage Parade, which was formerly known as Columbus Day uh, Parade. And St. Joseph's Day celebration. Those were all sort of activities that brought not only the residents, but also people from outside the area and brought them into the neighborhood. And now with these uh, younger families, you've got sort of renewed energy. So we've got a whole bunch of new things like um, the annual wine walk. The, we have a wine walk that happens uh, Saturday before Mother's Day, and it is always sold out. And it is a great time because uh, all the businesses will do like a little wine tasting out. They set up tables outside and people get a, a glass and they just walk around and they do different tastings and uh, at different restaurants. It's such a great time. They, they also introduce like a house tour. Uh, there's Christmas on the Hill, there's Giro della Montagna, which is a, a bike race. So they shut down the streets and do a crazy fast bike race. <laughs> and the, the streets are just absolutely, uh, just filled with cyclists and people that love to watch cycling, um, it's a great time. And, you know, without this, this young blood, if you will, these, these events wouldn't happen. You mentioned the St. Joseph's Day Festival, and it got me thinking, where do we go to get a good Zapel when we're in St. Louis? St. Joseph's Day, you got to get a Zapel, right? And uh, so I'm, I'm looking for your recommendation, Pete. Where would I go to get a really good Zapel in uh, St. Louis? I don't know if I've even had one here it that's oh, wow. kind of crazy for i know it's kind of crazy for me to say that you know we say zeppoli in in sicilian and <laughs> but i don't i don't think i've had one here i've had i've had them in sicily the most amazing yeah. right, right. And it's actually one of my favorite and i made them myself but you know there's some things you know 
you know, with you doing a food podcast, you know that, and I'm sure you've learned that in some areas, certain traditions, sort of food traditions, they they either grow and continue or they die or they're sort of lost in translation. Right, right. Maybe we just touched upon one that is is lost or wasn't wasn't transported here to St. Louis. Well, there you go. There's a uh, there's an idea for someone to open a Zapel. I I call them Zapels because that's how they pronounce it in Rhode Island. I know it's Zapel Lake uh, in in uh, Sicily, but yeah, bakery that does uh, that does Zapels in uh, St. Louis. That could be a big hit. Um, now cannoli. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk cannolo, cornetto, these types of things. So, um, so in St. Louis, when you when you when you come here, we've got. Just on, I'm going to speak of just the hill. So uh, you've got two grocery stores. You've got Viviana's and De Gregorio's, and those pretty much. Oh, and there's also Erzies. Erzies is kind of on the the cusp, and uh, each one of them sort of has a specialty and has its own sort of vibe. Viviano's, I like to take our groups there because it's sort of like walking into or stepping back into time. Uh, everything is sort of the way it was, the the even the shelving, and it just looks old, right. <laughs> but old in a good way. Uh, you have, you know, whereas on the opposite side of that, you've got De Gregorio's, which everything is presented more in a new um, surroundings, you know, everything is very, very clean, modern sort of signage. So they sort of, I guess, cater to a more uh, upscale, I guess, group, or that's at least how they're marketing their business. Um, and then Erzies, Erzies has a sort of in-between. Uh, it's a very small shop, but it's filled. So you just feel like there's so so much product when you walk in there and they do a lot of packaging house packaging so they do a lot of their own branding on their products and they specialize in uh candies and you know they've got like a ton of candies like malted chocolate balls they're not necessarily italian but it just sort of has that old world candy shop sort of feel plus all the groceries. So that's the grocery side. And then we got the bakeries. So the bakeries, we've got uh, Marconi, Marconi Bakery. We have Vitali Bakery and we have Missouri Bakery. And again, each one of these has its own vibe and specialty you know i'm i'm a true believer that just like in the italians you go to right. the bread baker to get the bread you go to the pastry right. shop to get the pastries so i would say you know marconi bread uh marconi only makes bread so that is their thing we have missouri bakery which has won several awards and they are known for when you walk in they've got like two huge display cases of italian cookies and then they also have all of the the pastry you know like the sfogliatelle and 
you know, they, they do cannoli, they do like a, uh, a cream puff. Now what's special about Missouri bakery is that they have this thing called a chocolate drop, which is essentially like a muffin top, uh, like a yellow, cake, like a yellow cake muffin. And then it's all for me, it's all about that chocolate icing that they put on top. It's really just magic. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I don't know what's in it. All I know is it's absolutely delicious. It is, it's almost like a chocolate fondant, but it has, it's, it's very creamy. Oh, I, I, Sounds oh, like you need one really right good. now, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I had one, especially, yeah, <laughs> especially right now. It's just talking about it. It's a, um, but they have a lot of, they have a lot of great pastries. They do. Uh, I, I tend to, to warn people. I don't know if warn is a good advice. I advise my people on my tour um, that if you choose to get cannoli there, you need to make sure that you ask for the one with ricotta because they also have one uh, that they call, I think they call it Italian cream, which is essentially pastry cream. So it's not really one of my favorites. They do make the ricotta one, which is anytime you order cannoli, you need to order the one Sicilian with ricotta. Film. Absolutely. Now, that brings me to Vitali's. Vitali's bakery has, I think, some of the best cannoli. Um, and I know, I know the owners. Well, I know all the owners that I talk about, but um, I know that there are sticklers for the quality, and they go through. They really jump through hoops to get a specific ricotta that is made. Out in Illinois, so they have to just get this ricotta shipped in just for them and just for, to make these cannoli because it's the closest to the ricotta that they have in, in the south of Italy and in Sicily. So we're just, I know this because, and I'm not sure if we really didn't touch upon my background, but my family had an Italian grocery store in South St. Louis. And part of our business was that we went and delivered to oh, right. restaurants and pizzerias in the area. So I got to see at a very young age, what people were using in their kitchens. And I got to know who was focused on quality and who was looking just to make Getting money. The and, thing. Yeah. Yeah. What else? I'm trying to think what else there is because <laughs> Get me talking about sweets. That's well, my how favorite about then, category. Uh, how about gelato food. then? So you know we're in an Italian neighborhood. There must be fantastic gelato oh. here. I'm a self-professed gelato snob, so I'm always looking for the best gelato. Where would you send me if I were in St. Louis, Pete? Hands down, Gelato Diriso. Gelato Diriso is owned by uh, Larry and Maureen Fuse. They own another restaurant on the hill called Lorenzo's, and then they ended up opening up this little boutique gelato shop on the hill. And I, I would say at least half of the people that I take there have told me that it's the best gelato that they've had outside of Italy. And, and I, I agree. 
I absolutely agree. And I'll tell you why, because I, I know that everything is made in small batches there. I've watched them make it. I have seen that they all of the non-milk ingredients are still imported from Italy. The milk itself, they source, it's it's very natural. It tastes just like the good stuff in Italy. And um, I tell you, around the holidays, they they make, well, first of all, let me just say that like when I say small batch, that means that they make one little pan of it. Like uh, right. I really don't, right. Right. I don't remember what, what the size is, but it's just one little pan. And when they run out of that flavor, there isn't another one <laughs> in the back. They'll swap it out right. for another <laughs> flavor. So, um, right. So there's usually a line when we go and there's certain flavors uh that kind of stand out to me like their their dark chocolate is almost black and it is so fudgy and when they put it out it's gone within like a couple hours and then at christmas christmas so you've heard of spumoni right sure Spumoni, they make a house-made spumoni mm. and they only make it at christmas time because it's so labor intensive, you have to make three different flavors right. and then layer it in this pan. And so, and they also put their own little twist on it. They've got, I believe there's is pistachio. There is like a cherry with candied mm. cherries in it. Oh my God. I know. And then, uh, and I can't remember if it's, I don't think they use the dark chocolate because that would be too overwhelming. I believe it's like a milk chocolate that they put in there, but mm. it is just, oh God, it is so great. And you can only get it at Christmas. Got to go there at Christmas time, I think. Oh, Christmas on the Hill is just a whole nother level. We actually stop our tours uh, um, the weekend before Thanksgiving because the area gets so crowded with people coming in for Thanksgiving and then the holidays you know, come upon us and, and they get significantly busier in that area. So I kind of don't want to, I kind of don't want to be in the area. Um, you know, I'm not, I personally am not one for crowds. I'm mm -hmm. not, a, I'm not into crowds. Uh, so I steer clear, but I'll tell you what, so far we've talked about food, but I, I feel like I, absolutely have to talk about the history, which is what you asked me in the beginning. And I never got around to because, <laughs> well, can you imagine me doing tours? I, it's like, I have this ADD because when I start talking about a subject that I really enjoy, I will just go off on a tangent. And then just like now, I'll realize that I missed the whole question that you, <laughs> that you started with, but this podcast is perfect for tangents. So that's all good. What what is what is some of the history of of the hill that we should know about before we visit? I think one of the most important things is I don't think people realize that between like 1880 and 1924 there were more than four million Italians that immigrated to the U.S. Half right. of them were actually between 1900 and 1910 alone. 
Right. Um, the majority of them were fleeing the the rural po- uh, poverty of Sicily and southern Italy. Um, the immigration out of Italy was actually encouraged by the Italian government uh, because their economy was in such a deplorable state. The Italians saw it like this. You know, they saw that it would actually ease their overpopulation problem that they were having and that the money that these immigrants would make in America would eventually be sent back to their families and then eventually make it back into the Italian economy. And so, and therefore add sort of, you know, money into the the system. So they're like, yeah, you want to leave? Go ahead. When they got here to St. Louis, um, the area that they settled into, which is now known as the Hill, was originally uh, remote and uninhabited. It was considered a wasteland. But in the 1830s, there was a clay deposits of high-quality refractory clay that was discovered. This is the type of clay that was used to make fire bricks and had an important industrial use, such as lining those blast furnaces. Uh, it's a valuable discovery, plus the discovery of coal uh, in the same area. So this is sort of what catapulted the growth of this area through the years. And it attracted the immigrants, not just Italians, but also German immigrants. Um, I remember talking to some people who were telling me about their family and the whole immigration portion. And, you know, I was like, wait a minute, it sounds like life was hard in Italy. And then they came here and they realized that life was hard here. And that person looked at me and responded, yeah, but at least here they had an opportunity to build a future. Right, right. So that sort of resonated with me, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's really what it's all about. It's uh, that's really what the whole immigration story is about. They came here for that opportunity, a better life. And so many of them had it was so hard in Sicily and in Naples and in you know Calabria and places like that that so many Italians left and and never looked back, never returned. You know, families were split apart and never to be uh, reunited, which is why you see so many people who love going going back to Italy now to uh, discover discover their families, um, their long yeah. lost branches of their of their families. Well, Pete. It's been great talking to you, but man, there's so much more to talk about in St. Louis. Plus, we got to talk about your uh, culinary vacations to Italy. So I'm hoping you can come back next week and talk with us a little bit more about St. Louis food and Italian food. What do you think? Oh, I'd love to. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Okay, there you go. Uh, Italian bread, cannoli, gelato. That's a pretty great start. Pete will be back next week to talk about St. Louis-style pizza, toasted ravioli, and truffles in Tuscany next week. You can get in touch with Pete at stlouisfoodtours.com and tripstosaver.com. That's trips, the number two, saver.com. I've also got links to Pete and the places he talked about in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash ded228. 
Well, that's all for this episode, but there's plenty more foodie travel at DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about Portugal's famous Bifana sandwich. You can read that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash Bifana. That's B-I-F-A-N-A. I also just posted a video about my favorite places to eat in Cordoba, Spain. You can get that on my YouTube channel at DestinationEatDrink946 or just go to DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the videos tab. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who wants three flavors of Spumoni to be Johnny Walker Red, Johnny Walker White, and Johnny Walker Green, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 